Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that good? God's good. I'm anxious to share tonight the message entitled Clear Picture. It uh, is almost paradoxical as it relates to um, one chapter or one book of 1 Thessalonians compared uh, to the other book, uh, 2 Thessalonians. Paul is writing uh, the epistle in 2 Thessalonians. That's where we're picking up. It's a church that's filled with hardships. It's a church that is facing challenge. And when I talk about it, you'll hear just me unwrap that big time on Sunday night. The hardships that right now, the number one segment of our society, or not our society, of the world, the number one focus of torture is among Christians. Number one, not any other religion, any other faith, any other organization, the number one focus for torture and persecution is among Christians. You think about that, but do you ever hear that on any news media? You won't hear it. You will, you will hear it Sunday night as I pull the facts. Well, if that is true, just uh, the enemy doesn't just have to make you just want to run. He just can sadly, slowly put you to sleep and not let you in on all the information. Paul is writing, this church has severe hardships. And 2, two, two Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse 2, he says, not to be easily unsettled. And there's a reason he's saying that easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy. He's addressing a problem. Report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. This is a shock to Paul that he's having to write this kind of a letter and addressing and saying, don't be unsettled, don't be alarmed. Remember, this is a young church, Thessalonica now, uh, if you, you can take a tour, it's not called Thessalonica. If you had a tour guide, uh, it, uh, it is a, a city that right now is second largest population in, uh, in Greece. Uh, Athens is number one, and Thessalonica, as we know it in the Bible, is number two. But in World War II, to give you a clear picture, uh, Hitler went through there and captured, and as a result, get this now, um, uh, 65 thousand, 65,000 Jews were loaded up, carted off, and slaughtered. That's in World War II. 65, eradicating the very people that Paul went after and the church was supposed to supply, and that culture was, it, it evaporated just because of the hand and arm of Hitler. And while I'm, while I'm talking about that, America did not see the arm of Hitler, even though it was functioning over in Europe. America did not see it and refused to engage while Jews were being slaughtered by the millions. And right now, I'm, I'm excited about the message Sunday and the message right now and the message Sunday night, because once again, if we're not careful, we're going to be duped. And we have the most valuable weapon in the world is the power of prayer, the power to believe God that God would undertake. I was in a restaurant today and eating, and I talked to a man who's in the construction. How are you doing? He said, well, I've had better days. Well, what does that mean? Construction right now is booming pretty well in many markets and in many places. And he said, it's regulation. 
the thing that I've been doing for 20 years in my business, now I found out this week there's a new regulation that deals with, you know, what I cannot do now. And he said, I'm telling you, it just runs you crazy trying to keep up with all the regulations. And he said, it just, it just gets me down. I said, well, have you fasted and prayed? Amen. Have you seen the movie War Room? No, I haven't seen it. That's a good movie you need to see. You can't not see that movie and get up from there and want to go find the devil somewhere and whip them. Amen? You can't do it. So don't waste your time and all that other stuff. Get up and let's go and begin to use the resources and their resources that God has to encourage us. All right, let me get past the preamble into this message. Don't be uneasily or unsettled. Don't be alarmed by the prophecy. Paul is confused because in 1 Thessalonians, he taught them about the resurrection and the beauty of the resurrection. He tells them that Jesus overcame death and hell and was resurrected and is the right hand of the heavenly Father and tells them that their future is, is not here and it doesn't end here in this life, but there is a place called heaven that they're going to spend eternity and that the law is not going to get them there, but a relationship is going to get them there. And that relationship is found in the one and only Son of God as prophesied out of Isaiah and many of the minor prophets out of the Old Testament. And it reveals that to them. And then we find after writing that letter, just a few months, not many months later, he's writing a second letter. His second letter is in response to the word that he received from an individual. It appears that they went from the mountaintop of the resurrection, and oh, what a beautiful day it is, down to the valley of despair. And, and, and they seem, life seems to turn sour for them. It's like, boy, we partied last night, but today the IRS showed up and just literally put a chain on everything we own. And he's trying to endeavor to communicate with them. In 1 Thessalonians, it was common and still is today in some parts of the world. Just you greet one another with a holy kiss. With a holy kiss. Now, I don't mind telling you. I'm, I'm personally not into the holy kiss deal. I'm, 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 you know, that's for some people, that's good. I suppose if I lived in some other country, that that would be okay. But I want to preserve these cheeks, you know, for just one person. Amen? Amen. Now, Sharon. But nothing wrong with that. Nothing if that's, if that's your practice. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 4, Paul said, I write because I'm aware of your persecution. I'm aware of the unrest. I'm aware of the confusion. I'm aware that... that you believe by some letter from somebody who wrote the letter, signing my name to it, that, that the tribulation is upon us and the coming of Jesus is at hand, if not already taken, been, been uh, it's done. He said, I know you're aware. So you're trying to compare, because you're a young church, what I taught you in my first letter, compared to what what you know I believe is the truth, and yet I'm not there preaching it, and now I find out that, that someone else has written a letter that says, hey, you're wasting your time. It's all over. You didn't make it. 
what someone else has been preaching, that means me, Paul, he says, they're saying it's a lie. Well, you see, God is not intimidated when Satan attacks one of his children. We know that confusion is something that brings worry, and worry brings restless nights and unsettledness that is there. If there's ever a time that we need to know what we believe and are willing to fight for what we believe and stand on what we believe and live what we believe, it is today. Amen? It is today that we, not, we don't get caught away with a culture, a culture that hates Christ, hates the church, hates Christianity, and we need to stand firm in our relationship with Jesus. And here's why, Paul says, here's what I want you to know. It's found, how do we stand? How do we stand? And he said there are two ways, and that is in Revelation 12, verse number 11. They overcame him, talking about the powers of darkness, by the blood of the Lamb. That's done. That's a, a done deal. Jesus did die. He rose from the dead by the blood of the Lamb. And then, here it is. It's not just the act of Jesus. It is the firm resolve by the word of their testimony. So what do you believe? What do I believe? Paul says, I wrote you, I told you about the times of the coming of the Lord. I've given you all that hope, and now you get a letter that says it's too late, you're going to be lost, and that in fact the tribulation has transpired and you have missed it. Now let me tell you what John says in Revelation. John says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. I didn't have anything to do with that. That was the favor and the will of Jehovah God. That's done. That is a sealed deal. But every day I get to declare the other half of my firm stand in my relationship with Jesus. It is by the word of my testimony. And my testimony doesn't need to change every time the wind blows. My testimony doesn't need to get weak because of what I hear. My testimony doesn't need to get weak when my prayer may not be answered. My testimony doesn't need to get weak when everybody's turned their guns on me and it seems I'm the only one left. He said, they, speaking of Hebrews 11, did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Right now in Syria, right now in Iran, right now in Iraq, right now in Nigeria, right now in many other parts of the world. They will not deny the faith even if a gun is pointed at their head or even if they haul their kids off or take their head off in front of them. The Christians there, many of them will not deny their faith. You say, that's unconscionable. It is, but it's happening right now. Acts 4.20, Peter states it in an affirmation. When he's accused and when he's told you got to stop preaching, you got to stop sharing this message, he said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. He's saying, Peter is saying, what has happened to me is so unbelievable that nothing you're going to be able to say and nothing you're going to be able to do is going to cause me to do anything less than what I know to fulfill the will of the Heavenly Father. Is that the kind of church God is looking for? Absolutely. And it is the church of Jesus Christ. Stand. Hold firm. Paul writes to that 
group of Second Thessalonians and talks to them and he gives them encouragement. Here it is, number one, God has his eye upon you. Say that with me. God has his eye upon you. Say it again. God has his eye upon you. Now you can look at that two ways. Are you looking? You seen me over here in the dark? I better change positions. Or you could look at it and say, God, I'm wide open. I don't care where I'm at in the middle of a lion's den. I know you got your eye on me. Amen? That's the purpose of this thought, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we ought to always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, that is the beginning where time was first posted, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. The sanctifying work, that is the blood of the Lamb, and then through the Spirit and through the belief of truth, your expression of your faith in the Lord. Paul in his words encourages, and he says, this church has been a blessing to me. He's praying, he's giving thanks, and he says, from the beginning, God has chosen that you be redeemed. How wonderful is that? That from the beginning of time, the beginning of time, God said, I've chosen you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He, among other things, is stated that God is aware of today. And whatever present trial, whatever wrong turn, whatever curve that you ran through, whatever you're experiencing, whether you're at fault or not at fault, whether you're a victor or a victim, God is saying, hey, I knew this was going to take place from the beginning of time. I have my eye on you, and I've got some, some words of encouragement if that's you tonight. I have my eye on you. How many of you know that as children, a lot of children believe their parents have eyes in the back of their head? I thought my dad did at church. I'd shoot a spitball in the back. So you actually did that? Yeah. I'd shoot a spitball or whatever the case. And somehow or another, he saw me. Or some old nosy old woman in the church saw me. Uh, and if one, I saw one of my grandkids do it today, good Lord have mercy, I'd probably stop preaching and walk right back there to them and say, what in Jesus' name is wrong with you? And they would probably respond, granddad, it's you in me. <laughs> oh, Lord, be sure, be sure. It comes back home to what? Yeah. I want you to know that I'm aware of today in the present trial. He declares that God is omniscient, meaning God knows all from the past to the present to the future. So here's beautiful. How wonderful it is to follow someone who knows every part of my past, who knows how many times my heart is beating, who knows in my body if there's a challenge, who knows my every thought now and helping me put them together and knows what I'm going to face tomorrow. You can trust someone who has that kind of knowledge. It's no wonder the psalmist said, Psalms 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. One of the great breakdowns in communication and listening is this. You don't understand me. Well, I heard what you said. 
I know, but you don't understand me. Here's what he's saying. He said, his understanding about you absolutely has no limits. And then we carry on in Scripture, Proverbs 15, 11, death and destruction lie open before the Lord. So he sees in Damar, he sees what's happening in Syria and Nigeria and Iraq and Iran. How much more are the hearts of men? He said, I see the destruction that's out there, the sin and the pain. But listen, I know your heart. It is wide open to me. Isaiah 46, 10, I make known the end from the beginning from ancient times, what is still to come. From what you're reading about in the Old Testament, but I know what is still to come. And here's what I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Not only does, does he have his eye on us, he says, my plan for your future and the future of this world will play out exactly like I planned from the beginning of time. Somebody say amen. You don't have to get nervous about who's in what seat and who's on what throne. God said, I'm going to be certain that my plan rules. Makes sense to trust somebody like that. Makes sense to follow someone like that. His plan works from Genesis to Revelation. And how many of you know, someone said to me today, timing is everything. No, it's not. It is important, but it is not everything. Everybody understand that's not everything. But I can tell you about his timing. His timing is always perfect. Because the Old Testament prophecies talks about his birth and his death to the day. Hundreds and hundreds of years before he was ever born, the Old Testament prophecies, I can tell you when he's going to be born, where he's going to be born, and when he's going to die, and where he's going to die. He prophesied his timing, how many days he would spend in the grave. He prophesied how long it would be before, once out of the grave for his ascension. It was timing to appear in the perfect moment when Moses stood in front of that bush, and that bush caught fire but not being consumed. Timing, timing when he had the whale, get this now, the whale ready for Jonah when Jonah was thrown overboard. That timing, his knowledge is accurate. Ananias and Sapphira tried to fool him, tried to jerk him around, through the man of God in Acts 5, they couldn't do that because God knew what was in their heart. Ananias, who prepared for Saul, a different Ananias than Ananias and Sapphira, but the Ananias who prepared for Saul, who was stricken blind, God knew that would happen and prepared his heart, spoke to his heart so that, in fact, when Saul got there, he knew exactly what to do. What I'm trying to tell you, if you think you're being led by a blind man, you are not. If you think your problems are going to direct your path, you are not. If you put your hand in the hand of the man, hallelujah, God will guide you through. I'm telling you, take your stand, believe what you believe, and don't recant on it and say, God, I don't understand what's happening to me right now, and I don't understand this hairpin curve that caused me to go right on through it, but I do know this. I know whom I have believed. I believe you have a plan for everything in my life, and nothing sneaks up on you. And if I stay faithful and long, come on, put your hands together and help me preach tonight. If you stay faithful, I'll direct your path. He knows every word that comes out of your mouth. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Amen. He knows every thought. Oh, God, help us. 
He knows the number of the hairs that went down the drain when you took the shower today. If you washed it, unless it's not your hair. He knows the number of grains on the seashore. Listen, friend. On your way to church, he knew what was on your heart. And he knew what was on your mind. Number two, stand firm in your spirit. Spirit is important. You can stand up and say, I'm going to be a man, buddy. I'm going to stand firm in the physical sense. But here's what needs to be strong, your spirit. Your spirit. I see little Victoria over there. Gone through cancer, still going through day after day. Won't you stand up and wave at everybody, sweetheart? Just give them a wave. If you ever prayed, pray for her. Pray for her. Pray for her. I promise you she's here by gutting it out because we know she doesn't feel well. But you know what she's doing? Standing firm in her spirit because already the doctors virtually have said to her, your hope is going to be found in someone bigger than our institution. Is that right? Stand strong in your spirit. Stand strong. He said, stand firm, 2 Thessalonians 2.15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold on to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Do you know how brazen the world is? There's a book that came out. I think it's 50, 40 shades of gray. Um, 30. Y'all smarty. You know it's 50, don't you? You know it's 50. The commercials promoting the new television program is despicable. At prime time, for whosoever, child, teen, adult to look at and the world is saying to us take that we're not afraid to throw our sinful behavior in front of you and make you eat it God says I already knew that but don't don't you be deterred don't be deterred away from, stand firm, hold of the teachings of what you know that we passed on to you, whether it's by word or by letter. He's disturbed because someone is posing, as I mentioned, creating confusion, confusing over the coming, confusion over false doctrine. And so often we get weak because of severe trials and various reverses. We get shaky. And when we get shaky, it's because our spirit has not resolved to stand firm. We begin to question our faith. We begin to question, should we just come to church? Is it worth it? We begin to question God's plan. We begin to become spiritually insecure. God, I can't take any more. You'll take all that God has for you because anytime God has more of that for you, it's only because he believes in you enough to make you stronger because he's got a future plan that's not on the level where you're at now. It's another level that God wants to use you. 
So don't become shaky or spiritually insecure and don't let fear grip you. And we look, we don't look at the natural, we look at the supernatural because God is able. And we begin to react to the circumstances instead of pursuing God. And here's what, here's what Proverbs 4:23, simple. He said, above all else, say that with me, above all else. Let's say it again. Above all else, what are you gonna do? Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level the paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Somebody say amen. That's God's word to us. If you ask me around here how I'm doing, the staff here will tell you what the answer is. How are you doing today, Pastor? I am straight ahead. Straight ahead. I don't intend to look right or to the left. I've got my eyes fixed on the goal because too many people are depending on me and the enemy would like to lure me into an arena. But I'm telling you, keep your eyes on the target. His name is Jesus Christ. Not to the right, not to the left, but straight ahead. How many has ever plowed behind a mule? How many, how many of you live with a mule? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but I have plowed behind a mule. For some of you that don't know your city slickers, you put a bit in a mule's mouth and they're blinders on the side. Right here. So that mule cannot look to the right or the left. And if you're plowing a furrow, you find you a target at the other end of that field, and you go behind that mule most of the time with one foot in the furrow and the other foot up on the ground, and you focus on that target, and you don't take your eyes off for anything, and when you're through, you'll look behind you and you'll see a straight row that was plowed because you kept your eye on the target. Listen, that's what the Scripture means in that regard. Resist him, stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering this struck me today as I simply wrote it. Don't give up ground you've already conquered. Hey Amen. Don't give up ground you've already conquered. Don't release it back to the enemy. Don't open the door to Satan to bring compromise. There's nothing wrong with an old-fashioned faith. Amen. Nothing wrong with a faith that rocks out of, well, that's not what, you know, the culture believes today. Get back to the simple one, two, three principles of God's Word, amen? And don't let society cause you and I to begin to compromise our walk with God in our belief system. Stick with the book. Remember that he is defeated and conquered and then, and then quietly just wait on the Lord. Number two, hold on to the truth of the word. Your faith clings to it. Your tongue declares it. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks 
a rock into pieces. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul writes, because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Hold on to what you know and stand firm. Finally, the third, God resolves conflict and frustration. How many have had a sleepless night lately? Sure. How many of you get up now more than you used to? You know why. <laughs> yep. How many of you, if you didn't have an alarm clock, would wake up within 15 minutes of when you usually get up every morning? May I see your hand? That's good. What that means is you're normal. <laughs> and how many of you know that if you get up at 4.30 in the morning and you go to bed every night at 10 o'clock, that chances are if you go to bed one night at 10.15, 15 minutes later, you probably will wake up at 4.45, 15 minutes later. The body is a miraculous mechanism. Miraculous. So here's what he said. Encourage your hearts. Strengthen you in every good deed and word. Now, he didn't say go down to the Red Cross and let them strengthen your heart. He says encourage your hearts. Sometimes your lips happens to be your best encourager. Monday morning, I take Monday morning, well, I try to take Monday morning off. Monday morning, get up, make coffee. Sharon has, we have, now enclosed a porch area that now is a nice room. And there's a chair out there that is different from the chair that I don't like in the living room that this one I like. And so Monday morning, I'm thinking about the future and thinking about God, thinking about Sunday. And, and, uh, and Sunday night, if you were not here, I talked about a song that Lanny Wolf wrote, Someone is Praying for You. And so I thought, I'm going to Google that up. And boy, I, uh, Sharon had gone to see her mother, I guess, and I just Googled it up and found it, and I began to pray it, play it. I just laid it on my chest and leaned back. Someone is praying for you. Someone is praying for you. I went on with that song and I thought, wow, I'm not even in church. And I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I reached back and got another one. And I played it. And I said, hallelujah. You listen what does he mean? This is the point. Paul now shares something significant. And he says this, relax in your relationship with Jesus. 
ponder that for a moment. Relax in your relationship with Jesus. He knows my adversity. He knows my pain. He has a plan. He has perfect timing. And every minute, he has me on his heart. He will not allow the enemy to defeat me. And I have his word and his spirit to guide me. And I can relax and say, God, I'm laying it all on you. And the second thing that he says, stay busy for God. Stay busy. Why? It keeps you focused. I would say to you, if you're going through a life-altering, life-changing challenge, engage. Engage. Don't sit idle. Get out there in the thoroughfare and give the devil a good target to shoot at. Get busy. It brings fulfillment when other voids are present. It nurtures fellowship through hard times, and it establishes your faith. And then finally, for someone else to help you journal, journal your thoughts and talk to God about it. You see, Paul knew that if Satan could isolate one member of that church in Thessalonians 2, if he could isolate one of them away, he could potentially defeat them. And when we become idle in God's work, we become a sitting target for Satan's influence. And be careful that you don't begin to compromise an easy answer for the truth of God's Word. Don't compromise an easy shortcut for the truth of God's Word. 2 Corinthians 2, 7, now instead you ought to forgive and confront him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive star or sorrow. Paul's talking about that. He says, if you're not careful, a defeatist spirit will prevail. And when you accept the mundane as usual, you lose that creative vision. We become swallowed up by, by pity. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So let me encourage you. Take this message. Let it find a place in your heart. Plant your feet. Stand strong. If you ever run out of your own prayers, remember Victoria. Remember others who need a touch. Kathy Gunn, remember those individuals. And God is able. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you because we know you do not fail. We are grateful for the love that you have shown to us. We are standing on solid ground. We are standing up. Our spirit is going to grow. We are going to increase. Father, we, we're not asking you to get us out of anything. What we are asking you is to be certain because we know according to your word you're going to be with us as we walk forward. I pray you'd bless in the services this coming Sunday, God. God, in your name, we're going to need your help, Father. And we're going to need your help Sunday night. And we talk about the last two of the Beatitudes. 
God, we need it. Right now, I pray for individuals in this room, God, that you would encourage and strengthen and touch them and speak peace to them. God, in your holy name, your arm is not short, nor is your ear heavy, but you are on the throne. We thank you just in case there's someone in the house or someone listening by means of other communication. I'm just going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Everybody, would you do that? Never take this moment for granted. Please don't do that. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. I have failed and I have allowed the enemy to direct my path. But tonight, I am asking for forgiveness. I am believing by faith. You are coming into my heart and cleansing my mind, cleansing my heart, cleansing my spirit so that I will be made whole. Lord Jesus, take my life right now and use it as you choose. Let me be obedient. Do not let me falter. Let me stand firm in my relationship with you. I claim this as my prayer and I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? If you have a need, it's a good time. The Holy Spirit is here. It's a good time to say, God, I need a touch from you. I need you to heal my body. And maybe as I'm I'm speaking now, the Holy Spirit is saying, and I want to say it to you, you may need to stand in for someone. You may have someone that's lost and you know it, and they are blind and they're angry and they're stubborn, and right now God is speaking to you to come down and be anointed in their behalf and serve notice on the enemy. Your grip's going to be loosed on this person because I have been obedient to you, Father. Or maybe in your body or in your finances, you know what the need is. Here it is. The the Lord, the Holy Spirit will take you by the shirt and gently encourage you to come. As we sing, would you do that right now? In just a few moments, here we go.